Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest instalment of the ATP Challenger podcast with myself, Andy Watson, and of course, Damian Cust as well. Uh, it has been a wild week on the Challenger Tour across the globe uh, this week. So we're going to be talking about um, Patch of Stroom, Concepcion, uh, Biella, and then also previewing this week's equally exciting slate of matches. Um, but before we start, I'm going to ask Damien a question, and I haven't even prepped him for it, so we'll see what he has to say here. Um, what one thing about tennis really annoys you the most? And you might have a lot, <laughs> but uh, I'll ask you to narrow it down to just one thing that really annoys you about tennis. Well, I don't think there are that many. I think what's really annoying, honestly, and it's not really a bad thing, so I'm kind of cheating here, but how much tennis you know there is to follow and watch because you know sometimes you just can't help get but get a bit overwhelmed with that like especially during the the past two weeks you know it was basically watching the the australian open at nights and then getting up at days and watching the challengers sometimes you just you know it's hard to just take a break because you you're afraid of what you're gonna miss but sometimes you just need needed to to get a reset i also have another frustrating thing that i will that is connected to something that we'll be covering later. So I will I will mention that one more thing a bit later. No, I think I might know what that is. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like obviously, we're both European based, so we have to get up early or stay up late for Australia. Which you know, again, as I mentioned every week, we don't talk about on this podcast. But then you've got, as we said, South Africa. You've got South American tournaments. You've got European tournaments, and then you also have to sleep at some stage, right? So. Um, it is quite difficult to keep across everything, but you do a good job. So let's just launch straight into, I think we want to talk about Pacha Stream first. Doesn't matter to me, but we can, yeah. We'll go, we'll go down to South Africa first because it was a, a final that I certainly wouldn't have predicted at the start of the week. Um, we had Timoras Gebashvili um, against Jensen Brooksby, who got a mention on the, the podcast last uh, couple of weeks, actually, hasn't he? Um, you've been quite excited about the prospects of him playing again this year, and your excitement was justified with him eventually coming out on top in Putch of Stream. So let's just start there, and, and what are your impressions of, of Brooksby this week? Yeah, definitely. We talked about him, you know, in the talking about his comeback. Uh, just quickly to, to, to remind the listeners, he you definitely remember him from beating Thomas Berdick at the, at the 2019 US Open. And then last year he was out all year. He signed up for college, but going but he decided to drop out and after not playing a single match due to injuries. And right now he's going pro. And you know, as much as he was pretty solid uh, making the semis at, at an ITF in Vilena, also playing a fine match against Semilka last, last week, well, you know, this one definitely went a lot better for him. First of all, he, I mean, he beat Ilkal in the quarterfinals very comfortably. So it was, it was pretty surprising after, after, you know, the, their match went in a completely different way last week. But definitely the win over Benjamin Bonzi, whom, who also is getting a mention right now, as we laughed last time that that he keeps getting mentioned here. But you know, it was one of the best matches of the week for sure. Maybe Bonzi, you know, got a little tired after play, playing pretty much every week of the season so far. But definitely a great run. Actually, in the in the you know in the finals, he was not looking like he was gonna win this for the first hour or so. Uh, he was really getting dominated, but 
I, I liked how he, you know, stayed in there despite really, despite losing a lot of, uh, despite, you know, it was, a, it was looking as a straightforward loss. He was not getting anything in play. Like Gabashvili was really blasting his forehand and backhand a really good level in that first set, but he just stuck in there and waited for the opponent to blow up and it happened. And definitely I'm, I'm looking forward to see how, how Rooksby progresses. He's just 22. So 22, uh, I mean, I, I mean, 20 years old, but you know, two as a, no, well, doesn't matter. Anyway, he's 20. So <laughs> definitely a lot of time to, a lot of time to, to keep making progress now that he's healthy. As you said, he dropped out of college, I think, didn't he? And because he he went pro, um, he certainly did. Um, well, Gavash really just couldn't be bothered with that final set. I don't think um, losing that six love. He actually saw so Gavash really moving on to him. He, I mean, obviously thirty-five years old, former um, ACP, relatively regular, um, quite a checkered history. And I wonder whether that's something that you maybe wanted to pick up on and maybe that was the thing you were talking about earlier about being quite annoyed about he went three sets every round this tournament including in the first round against a South African wild card losing that first set 6-2 yeah he led to one in that in that first set against Alec Beckley and then a number of very weird unforced errors very weird double faults like you know mishit by a by a mile uh he lost five games in a row and then lost only two for the for the rest of the match. I mean, looking at the video, many suspect match fixing uh, that he you know, sold the set in order to in order for people to bet on him after after the first or just bet on on Beckley winning the first set. You know, the accus- accusing someone of of it is always a uh, you know quite a big thing. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to just you know, talk talk crap about someone who's who's trying their best. But Gabashvili just has such a long history of either retirements, match point, you know, match, maybe not match point, but a game uh, away from losing, or just not giving his at all his best effort at all that you know he, he's he's one that really seems to be doing that and doing it really blatantly like you know it's these matches are re- streamed and recorded and what really frustrates me besides match fixing and what I, I was actually talking about is the let's say inactivity of the of the tennis integrity unit or is it it's actually called ITIA now. Um, I, I can't remember the the abbreviation. Uh, International Tennis Integrity Agency, and well, they have been banning quite a few people lately. But for example, their latest catch from from Feb- even from February this year is Nikita Gudoznikov. And if you've never heard of him, well, neither did did I. And honestly, what I mean is that they have all these big, big name players that you know that have suspicious activity on on their on their matches in in big recorded events, and yet no one you know no one has been even we we, we don't have any confirmation that Gabashvili is even looked into or something. Recently, there was that one uh, Ron Garros doubles match where uh, Sisikova. Uh, was was investigated I, i'm not sure how that how that's going but but you know they just they just keep banning players who 
who haven't for, played for three years, for example, like the like Nikita Gudoznikov, who I mentioned, and all the you know guys like guys like Gabashvili are still on the tour and doing it a few times a year, and that's really frustrating to watch, especially yeah. if you if you actually take into account his his run to the finals because you know some of some of the tennis he's shown there. I, I will never forget his. Oh, let, let let me make a a small main tour <laughs> connection, but I will never forget the match he played against Murray at at Washington. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, out of this world, really. And you know, he he can he can be. He, I was really surprised that that he can still reach the, these heights as he did this week because this was actually his first challenger title in six years, I think, and first final in four. He's played a lot of ITFs in the middle. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really expect him to have this level still. And it's really sad that this guy just keeps, you know, throwing it away and 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 doing you know, the, the the set against Beckley. I mean, you can just watch it on the on the Challenger streaming website. I mean, it's it's not looking good. It, you know, we will never we probably never have evidence on that, but it you know it doesn't look good for like it's not a good it's not get good entertainment watching and especially if you if you if you find out let's say and or at least if you think you found out what's going on then then it's you know it, it leaves a bad taste yeah i don't want to dwell on it too much further because obviously there's a lot of uh good times to talk about this week but um just to kind of highlight a few things that you were saying there um he went two nil up very quickly in that first set and then as you say, he lost um, then six games in a row. Um, lost his serve to 15 twice and then to Love as well. Seven double faults in that set. Um, yeah, it's just it just doesn't look good. And um, I used to work for my background, I think I mentioned already on the podcast, as a tennis trader. And we had a blacklist of players that we would not trade Um for reasons of getting caught out. We never know whether they were going to be playing a fair match or not. And and Timur's Gavashvili was one of the players that was on that list. So um unfortunately that list got quite long um as as we went as we went on. But you know that's that's unfortunate really and uh to for someone who was so talented to be able to to keep on getting away with it is uh yeah, it's a real dichotomy of, of good, good and bad, really. Um, but let's move on. Let's um, talk about another tournament, perhaps. Uh, we've covered the, the, the finalists there. Um, let's move across to Biela, I think. We'll go to Biela. And in the final there, we saw um, two good um, players that you'll see on the, on the ATP events. Uh, quite regularly, including I think Sun Wu Kwan um, this week is in the ATP Singapore. Singapore, yeah. Yeah, so it's quite a long journey from Italy to Singapore for in the next day or so. He's probably already gone, um, the Korean. But he triumphed over Lorenzo Mazzetti against someone who's uh, been quite a regular name on the podcast since we started. And, um, you know, I would expect that's been quite a good, good final. I mean, I didn't see it myself. I was busy at this point of the day but uh, did you manage to catch any of it well not really i mean it was pretty lopsided the the streaming actually broke off in the second set for like four or five games so i didn't see all of it <laughs> but from what i from what i've seen it was it was really one-sided i mean uh, kwon did play the very great week if you if you look at how dominant his victories have been over markora or over madden not losing more than four games he 
I think the only the only little little blip he had was against Donsko in the semis. He had a chance to serve serve it out in the second, but failed and then lost in the tiebreaker. But that easily easily regrouped. I was pretty surprised to see him dominate this match here. Uh, he actually has only two no, had only two challenger titles before this week. Both came, both came in Asia, uh, Yokohama and Seoul, if I remember correctly, and. You know, in, uh, European indoor events weren't really his best hunting ground. But Musetti actually, you know, we, we talked about his indoor game being quite lacking. A lot of time he needs on his strokes, so you can easily rush him. So it's still a very good result for him. Uh, the, the, the draw was pretty tough. I mean, Lachko, Gulbis, these are all dangerous indoor opponents, but... It was kind of clear from from his even even from his wins that that he wasn't really playing his best and that a better a better prepared a, a better opponent on the day could expose that and Quan definitely did. One thing I also wanted to mention that I also tweeted about today was the weird scheduling that Musetti is is going for right now. Like you're, he's you're saying that he's been jumping from clay to indoor. Yeah. yeah, I mean I understand that it's a big event in Biela, and that it's you know at home, but right now he's going to to Gran Canaria to play clay. I think yeah, two 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 weeks uh, two weeks in a row. I mean, I totally get why he wants to improve his hardcore game, and you know, as a as a young prospect, it's definitely great to play on different surfaces. But I would maybe, you know, do it in 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 blocks. But but you no, know, maybe I'm just talking crap. <laughs> I don't I don't know if 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 that would actually suit him. But for example, I'm surprised he didn't really go to the to the golden swing. Maybe he wouldn't get into into every, you know, starting with Concepcion and then going for the ATP events. Maybe he wouldn't get into main draws at all of them, but he would definitely get uh, into every qualifying draw. But they're just some some food for thought. Anyway, a, a great week for him. The best he's had at uh, indoors. I what I liked about his performances against Gulbis and Lachko was that he didn't really, he, you know, he he didn't really go for his usual high-risk shots, uh, he really changed his playstyle to suit the fact that he the, that he was playing opponents who committed a lot of errors and sort of just won this by being solid. Certainly got a great... We'll come to a preview next week, but he seems to have landed himself a good chance of, of landing a challenger tour next week. But um, yeah, I was, I was surprised that he didn't go to his golden swing as well. I thought that would be right up his street and chance for him to get quite a lot of ranking points there. Um, but, you know, we make a big deal out of it, don't we, when we go from one surface to another on the main tours that it takes players a while to adjust and you would never kind of back someone who'd played a lot of clay court tournaments to go straight onto um, the grass, for instance, if you're preparing for Wimbledon and, and be able to do it well. So it is interesting that you, what you say about the way players... Um, plan their schedules. Do you think we, maybe we overdo it a little bit? With, I mean, the tennis is tennis, I guess. At the end of the day, they don't change the size of the court. Maybe we do. I mean, you know, especially when it comes to the big three or the or the big or the you know to the top ten. There, there are there are always a lot of talks about them needing a warm up event for everything and all. And after all, Musetti reached the reached the final this week, so 
who are we to who are we to judge? But I I definitely thought the Golden Swing could be a could be a great start to the year. No start, maybe not a start, but uh, would really you know get him into nice form for the for the upcoming European play season too. But you know it's his choice and. You know he's done. He's already done a lot this season. He's getting his ranking up a lot. He's actually right now 115 tomorrow, I think. Mm-hmm. So today, when the when the pod is out, uh, so maybe that's also also the goal: getting getting easy easy ranking points without having to go to you know to, to the other end of the world, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, he's only having to travel to Spain, obviously. So. Um, you know, there's probably personal reasons behind it as well. And the only other thing I wanted to mention about Biela was last week's champion, um, Ilya Marchenko, made it through to the quarterfinals again and um, ran into Andreas Seppi. But um, that's not what I wanted to ask you about with him. It was a sore tweet from him after he'd lost that match to Seppi. I think he was travelling to his next tournament and he mentioned about um, the only things to do after going out is to go to the airport and then delete so many people off of Instagram. Um, I presume that's to do with betting. Um, what do you, how do we, how, I don't this is probably too big a, a topic for um, the JTV Challenger Tour podcast, but it happens to a lot of Challenger Tour players who don't have the following, but they get a lot of heat from gamblers, don't they? It's still a big gambling event as a Challenger Tour. So how what can we do against that? Yeah, there's been a lot of publicity against it. Like players and, and journalists have been have been posting screenshots of these of these messages. I mean, you know, the, I think the best we can do the the, the players is to ignore it. Uh, try to as as Marchenko does, just block these people. Definitely don't start conversations with anyone like that. I mean, even as even if even I uh, simply because I'm a Pole, for uh, I received some. Well, no, you know, the hate wasn't directed to me, but I received some some message requests on Twitter, which you know, p- people just wanting to say that uh, I don't know, Kamil Mikeshak or. Or Kasper Zhuk is a is a piece of shit because he lost. Uh, you know, it's just angry betters who, for some reason, have to have the have the need to share their you know their hate, their their their, their poor their, their bad emotions with someone else. And obviously, I'm also not replying to that, even though they do not, you know, that the, these messages do not personally concern me. But but you know, as a as a player, probably just. You know, we can't really ban betting as a whole. It brings too much money to the sport. So I guess we're just going to have to live with it that some people are just salty when they lose and they they, they spill hate. Just block them, as, as Ilya does. Yeah, salty in the extreme, I would say. Right, let's move over to um, not quite the Golden Swing, but I suppose the Challenger Golden Swing. Um, Conception. Um, we talked about it last week. How it was nice to get into another continent this year, and um, certainly the South American clay quarters took to this um, home tournament very well. They managed to get rid of all the Europeans by the final, and um, it was Serendolo against Baez in the final. It was all Argentinian in Chile, and it was a very hard fought final as well, wasn't it, Damon? Yeah, it actually ended like I don't know, forty minutes ago, something like that. 
Uh, Sebastian Baez, you you might recognize from from Roland Garros Juniors uh, three years ago. He lost to Chun Hin Seng in the finals there, and they've actually been sharing a sort of similar professional profile so far. In that they haven't really been able to transfer these results to the Pro Tour, and both for pretty much the same reasons: uh, lacking weapons, lacking any of you know material to win points against against top quality players. Uh, but I was pretty surprised with Baez uh, a few times this week, especially maybe in the semis. Uh, well, actually, he had a really tough draw. Uh, the fifth seed, uh, Daniela Higalan, the, the fourth seed, Hugo Delian, and the, the second seed in the semis then, Andre Martin. And he actually showed that there is a lot more to his game than we thought. Uh, there, I mean, it's a very lazy comparison. I don't like using it. But his game and physicality and especially because of the the nationality you know everyone just seems to think of Diego Schwartzman when they see it uh, and you know th- that comparison kind of makes sense actually I, I remember Schwartzman was a, a kind of a late bloomer too uh, he was about 21 I think when he when he cracked the top 100 so maybe not exactly a late bloomer but you know he wasn't he wasn't a top 10, 20 player from, from 18 years old or something like that. So, you know, the, the, there's definitely a lot of a lot of hope for this guy. I I, I was, this is the, by far his best week of his career. I think this is just his sixth or seventh challenger event. He only had one top 200 win before. Uh, that came two years ago at Montevideo. And this week he added uh, four. So, you know, that's by far outperforming his, his best results. Yeah, just looking down his previous results here and, um, you know, that was his first event of 2021. Obviously waiting for it to come back home. He actually played Seng um, in Sao Paulo Challenger last last year and lost that one as well. So obviously he doesn't really want to meet him too often, but he lost to Andre Martin in uh, Quayaquil Challenger in Ecuador yeah. last year. So he managed to obviously turn the tables there in the semifinals. Um, so show signs of improvement and hopefully, like you say, signs that he can break through. And this will certainly improve his ranking from the 300s into the 200s. And um, let's see how he continues on this season. Um, who else do you want to pick out from that tournament? Then there's quite a few uh, players that we've not spoken about quite as much because obviously it's in South America. So I'll leave you the floor to kind of open up on that tournament and, and see who you want to talk about from that. Yeah, we definitely should talk about the runner-up, uh, Francisco Cernodolo, uh, one of the, the two great talented brothers. Uh, last week, last year, he had a fantastic run after the restart, winning three challenger titles. That was Split, Guayaquil and Campinas, I think. And, you know, uh, he, he started the year in AO Qualies. He won the first match pretty decisively, but then he contracted COVID-19 had to pull out and that was you know that this event in Concepcion was was only his you know the, the first round was only his second match of the year and he actually looked quite shaky at the very beginning uh, last year his forehand was such a good weapon and early on it didn't you know he was pretty passive with it and uh, in the second round against someone we also mentioned last week so Nicolas Jarry uh, the you know coming back after a doping suspension. Uh, he was really in trouble. Jari had five, four and serve to, to win the match. He had two, two match points. On one of them, he, he double faulted. I think the other one was actually Cernodolo uh, attacking with his inside-out forehand. 
and yeah, forcing an error. And really, as the as the week progressed, churn dollar really progressed. Oh, as the week progressed, <laughs> churn dollar really improved. And the final against bias maybe wasn't the the highest in terms of quality, but both players, you know, was were really determined to win a lot of grit. Uh, Cherundolo had a really bad attempt to serve it out at at five four in the third, so definitely there are some things to regret from this one. But this is someone you know we're talking of a player who many expected to make a top one hundred push this year, and he's gonna get a chance next week because he's playing the the main tour event in in Cordoba with a, with a wild card. Yeah, he's got a wild card for Cordoba. He's playing Gianluca Major in the first round, so. Um, I know someone who's tipped up major for the entire tournament, so that'll be an interesting matchup first first to go. Um, so anybody else from Concepcion you want to touch on? Just maybe mention the guy who we've been mentioning all week, uh, all week, all year so far, uh, Thiago Seibofield, that, that yes, he finally won. Wins. Yeah, he finally won two matches. Uh, it was looking as a like a very straightforward defeat to Cherundolovo, but he then he made uh, a good comeback effort in the second set and got it to a tiebreak. I think there are there are some really positive signs that playing in the that playing in South America again might help him. Uh, the only like well worrying thing is that you know the the main tour events are coming. The level of the competition is going to be a bit higher there, so. You know, I'm, uh, I guess his fans should be afraid a bit that you know that he's gonna j- just gonna run into some poor draws and get lo- lose round one into round one again and again. But definitely some good signs, and hopefully he can great some, get some great wins and much rhythm in in South America. Yeah, again he's in Cordoba and the mentor as well. He'll play a qualifier in the first round, and then he'll if he wins that he'll play Miamir Kitsmanovic. In the second round, so a European coming on to South American clay for the first time this season. It's a possibility that he could catch Katsmanovic calls, especially since he's kind of at home, his home continent, and has had that warm-up event as well in Concepcion. So a chance maybe uh, for Thiago Seba to be able to continue. Off topic, but did you see who who is the new coach of Miovic Katsmanovic? I haven't seen that. David Nalbandian. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's forced him over to Argentina. His first move is to force him to come over to Argentina. So yeah. really that's a power move right there from the new coach. Yeah, actually, I don't think Ketsmanovic really played the, the golden swing before. So it's interesting. But yeah, that's total off topic. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the fans will forgive us for just nipping that little bit of trivia into there. Um, right, okay. So that's that, that's the week that was, as it were. Um, let's talk about what we've got coming up this week. Only two events, I think, on the Challenger Tour uh, coming up. And the new ones uh, that we've not seen so far this year. Uh, we're going to Kazakhstan for Nur Sultan Challenger and then to Spain as well for Gran Canaria Challenger. Right, well, talking about Kazakhstan, this was always one... Sorry, this was always one that we wanted to avoid as traders. Um, mm. For the same reasons that we just talked about earlier, but um, usually when you get out of the qualifying, it's not too bad. And there's actually some good players that have gone over to to Kazakhstan for this one. Uh, top C being Mikhail Kudushkin, who is obviously a very well-known player. Uh, we've got second seed of Evgeny Donskoy, who made a good run last week. We've got other players in there, Yuri Rodionov, Square, 
an interesting player for me. Henry Laxonen's in there. Cedric Marcel-Steb is there. So, um, again, some players that we've not spoke about on the podcast coming back up. Maybe one more one more guy I will mention is Timofey Skatov, uh, uh, Kazakh wildcard, who I'm really looking forward to watch. Last year, he got a wildcard to that um, to that Sultan event, you know, the main tour one, and he lost pretty badly to Rusevori. But he's... I think he just finished 20 uh, uh, a month ago um, and he's already had some fine ITF results like beating Holger Rune, for example, on, on clay in Spain. And he's definitely one of, well, definitely not one of the, 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 the best prospects that, that Kazakhstan has. Obviously, he's also not a native of Kazakhstan. He, he used to play for Russia, but definitely the best prospect Kazakhstan have, and I think someone who we're going to see a lot on the Challenger Tour in the in the future years. That'll be an interesting one then. Try and catch that this week. Um, Gran Canaria is the other Challenger event, and we've already mentioned Lorenzo Massetti uh, making his way over to this one. Um, he is top seed, and he has um, looked like a very generous draw. Um, he'll play a qualifier in the first round and then he'll play the winner of a, another qualifier and the wildcard player who I've never even heard of, Endler. Um, so that looks like an enticing entry into that one, which will probably do him some good since he made it to the final last week. Of course, Taberna um, is the second seed there and he's got Enzo Quackord, um in the first round. Who else have we got here? Horansky, Gaio, quite a few familiar names really. Nikola Milievich as well is there. Um, anyone you want to pick out from this draw? Uh, first, I wanted to say uh, a word about the Marco and Endler, whom you just mentioned. I also yeah. haven't heard of him before, and it's actually a you know a very interesting wildcard. I haven't really seen any. I haven't really seen any. Uh, you know any info on why he got one? Because you know his career high in juniors is about five hundred. And he hasn't played a pro event before, I think. So maybe just from the, the island. Uh, no, he he played some. Sorry, uh, he actually keeps playing in Spain and Tunisia. It seems uh, the results haven't been that great so far. But but I see uh, you know some some very straightforward losses, for example, to Kenny the Shepherd this year, whom we also mentioned last week. But that wasn't hard, so maybe. So maybe maybe his clay court game is better. Uh, as for other guys, I mean, definitely looking forward to to Musetti, how how he will go. Taberner won won the won the event in Antalya, so they're definitely the favorites uh, going into this one. Uh, the Spanish wildcards are very interesting too. Uh, Carlos Jimeno Valero had a had a great few runs, a few had a great few deep runs uh, last last week uh, last year. Yeah, just pick up on that match. He plays Marco Trungaliti in the first round. Um, Heat of the famous uh, Roland Garros road trip. Ah, yes. um, but what I wanted to ask about that is that obviously Trungaliti is Argentinian. I'm wondering if he's based in Europe. Do you know anything about him? Like he is. Why? Why is he not playing? Again, another one who's not playing um, the Argent the South American events, and, and he's playing Gran Canaria instead. I'm not really positive, but I think he's been in in Europe for a while now. He played Quimper and Cherbourg, so, and I mean played. He he lost in in the first round there, 
uh, I think Quimper was qualifying and Sherberg was in the main draw. He got just one game of Antoine Hong. So probably so, so probably just you know intending to to stay in Europe for for a long while. I'm I'm not sure where he's residing. I'll see if I can if I can check it. But just looking at his look, looking at his events, he's not played anywhere other than well Australia and uh, and. Oh, Europe, but that so. that was Australia, right? That was you know the, the qualifying draw that was in yeah. in Doha. So uh, New yeah. I'm but not yeah. sure where he's you know where he where, where he resides. I actually rem- just remembered that we kind of missed a, a very interesting point that I think many people are, would be surprised if we if we missed the the interruption in the final at, at Concepcion. Oh yeah. Yeah, so maybe you know to briefly briefly remind what what happened at at two was it at one one in the second? Yes, when uh a group of protesters went onto the court. Bias and Turndall actually quickly ran off when they saw them. It was pretty, you know, well, it wasn't dangerous, uh, you know, looking from the, from the camera as, as for example, that Monica Salaj incident or something. They, they didn't look like they were, they were going to harm anyone, but, you know, they, they made a big sort of feast on the, on the court and interrupted the match. It was you know, really bizarre looking at it. But as it later turned out, it was actually... Well, the reports are kind of two ways. Some some say it was it were these were the supporters of a local football team, uh, amateurish team, and some say these were you know people associated who are connected, associated with the club. But anyhow, they were protesting against uh, city plans to to destroy the football field and build an, a, a block of apartments in place. Uh, so. You know, a, a weird way to protest, but I think they actually got some recognition. I mean, you know, a lot of people in the tennis world got interested in that, so maybe, maybe that sort of publicity is 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 going to be what what helps them. I think as sports fans, and usually, uh, ex, uh, you know, especially you as a as a huge football fan, I think we can we can relate we can relate to them, and and we probably hope that their case will be helped. Yeah. You know what? People um, protesting over that sort of thing is uh, certainly in the news in Blackburn Rovers at the moment as well. So, if I do get any followers who uh, who follow me from my Blackburn Rovers stuff, then they will be interested in that for sure. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention as well that actually we forgot to mention when we were talking about uh, Concepcion is the weird doubles tournament that happened there. Oh yes, I totally forgot about that. Despite tweeting about it like three times, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a pretty sad story. I mean, everyone. I think a lot of people want to, you know, keep doubles alive. I think the players really wanted to. Despite you know, the, the ATP also wants to keep it alive, but it, it does, you know it doesn't uh, do a great job at advertising it or or just keeping it in, in good shape. But you know. It's sad that this happened because and why it happened and what happened. Uh, seven, I think, major walk- walkovers. Uh, the top seeds, Orlando Luz and Rafael Matos, didn't have to play a single match to get to the finals. And they won the event despite winning just one match. They were actually in the finals already on Wednesday and played their final on Saturday. And it was the only one, the, the only match they, they played the whole week. And why it happened? Simply because the ATP qualies in in Cordoba started on 
Friday or no, uh, on Saturday, right? So the, the players who lost in singles and were signed up there, they simply didn't care enough you know to, to stay for the doubles which we can't really blame them for with the with the discrepancy in in money and you know in money and in fame that that the singles game has but you know it kind of leaves a sort of a question mark on on whether challenger doubles you know makes sense i think it should still stay i mean the just the much practice and also the the learning opportunity uh, we've seen a lot of players uh, use doubles as as a way to get more familiar with net game, with you know, uh, to uh, to implement these sort of tactics into their style. So I, I I would really like doubles to stay, but it's it's sad that it's you know it's get gets sidelined whenever there is an opportunity to 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 perform in a to try to try yourself in a in a in a bigger singles event. Yeah, I'm conscious of the fact that we've gone over our usual time here, but and doubles and the whole doubles question is probably something for a, a bigger pod. Like a, maybe we do we do an off-topic one another time, but um, you know, in a very similar way to challenger singles, some of the top doubles players have all come through challenger doubles as well. I mean, I remember Kulhoff uh, and Middlecoop were a, a staple on the challenger double circuit for a long time and they've both gone on to be very successful um you know Kra- in different partnerships as well now kravitz um, mies for example they won mm-hmm. i mean it was actually only mies that won uh, an itf event a challenger event and round garros in about a month yeah. so you know so, you know in a very similar way to the singles it does have uh, it's a route through to the the top of the game and the top the very top doubles Challenger doubles pairs are, are good matches for the ATP ones. So, um, yeah, it should definitely stay. It's just a question of, you know, arranging events in, in certain ways, I guess. Uh, I think it, I think Cordoba is quite unusual in that. I think it had three rounds of qualifying, didn't it? Had like a quarterfinal stage, a semifinal stage, and a final. So, um, quite a lot of, quite a big draw in the qualifying there. Anyway, uh, we've maybe digressed slightly somewhat. Um, hopefully you've all enjoyed um, the extra length of this particular podcast and um, please do get in touch and, and if you've enjoyed it and if you have any questions for, for us to tackle in the next podcast, we'd definitely be interested. Um, as there's only two events next week, we'll probably be a bit shorter. So we might try and fill that gap with some of your questions and uh, hopefully, hope you're enjoying the series so far. Um, thank you, Damien, for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening.